Testament, it's become our practice as a church to remind ourselves why we're here. What has God called Real Life Church to? Where we're going, what we're about. And so at the beginning of every term, I do this. And I, wanna, I do it because, for a number of reasons. The first one is we're just, we forget. And God continually tells his people in his word to remind themselves of what God has done. Remind them of themselves of who they are. Remind themselves of who they are as God's people, what he's called them to. And so we took that on board as a church. We want to do it for us to remind ourselves who we are, what God has uniquely called real life church to in this place, in this time, in this context, in this culture. And so I'm unashamedly retreading ground that we've gone over for at least the first half of the sermon, but that's just as a reminder to bring us back up to speed, to bring us back on the same page so we know we're going after what God has called us to. And then in the back half, I'll talk a little bit about some things we're dealing with this year, a little bit about the trip, um, um, and so we'll come on to that. So the first thing, what's God called us to? Now, it begins with our purpose as a church. Now, what we do is we write them up here on the wall. We've got our purpose and our vision, and I'll go through each one of them just to... Say, what are we about as a church? What God has called us to in this place? And when we began the church, we prayed, we sought God, we asked questions, we chatted amongst ourselves as a team and said, what are we about as a church? As we go and plant real life church, we move 100 miles across the country to Sutton Coalfield. What is God calling us to? And we came up with this purpose statement, which is what we were going to be about. We said real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the example of Jesus, and then changing our world with Jesus. And if you want to condense that even more, you sum it up. We're all about Jesus here. He's our focus. He's our aim. He's our goal. And there is nothing else. Nothing else that comes above him. Nothing else that comes before him. It's all about Jesus. We believe he is who he said he was. He is God the Son, came to earth. He lived that perfect life. He represented something of God to us as mankind. He then died on a cross, rose bodily from death. He ascended then to his Father in heaven, and he now rules and reigns victorious for all eternity. And he has offered to mankind freedom from sin. And So it's not just a name they hear about or some concept. Or they're not just listening to what the world says about Jesus, but we tell them the truth about this is what the Bible says about Jesus. And that's what we want to do. So we're all about Jesus here. We're all about making his name known, making his name great. We sing about him. We pray to him. We worship him. And we love it. So that is our focus. That is our purpose. But then... Kind of, that's what we're about. But where are we heading? What has God called us as a church to be about? Well, that would be our vision. And we've got three things here that we felt God speak to us at the beginning to be a large, influential, reproducing church. And when God speaks to you about some of those things, it's always a little bit hairy because He talks to you, which is like you have this weight of responsibility. God's spoken. But often he speaks to you about things that are way out in your future and things that you can't achieve or you can't get to without him. So when God spoke to us about a lot, being a large, influential, reproducing church, we had a team of about eight of us and a child, and it was hysterical. And I remember talking to them, saying, this is what I think God said. And you looked around the room, we all shifted uncomfortably, and it was like, are you kidding me? We can't do that. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have the connections or the resources or the finances to make this happen, which is a wonderful place to be because the only way it can happen is if God does it. God does it. And this is where we are today. So let me just talk a little bit about our convictions in each of these things. The first one is we believe God called us to be a large church, to grow numerically large. And the reason we believe that is because we believe that's what God wants for his people. 
If we go back and we trace it all from God's word, if it guns in the beginning, what did God say? He, he created man and woman, and he put them in the garden. Then what did he say to them? Multiply, increase, grow in number, don't stay where you are. I want more, is effectively what God said to Adam and Eve. Have children, fill the earth, he said. And so we believe God wants a people for himself. And if you trace the storyline of the Bible, this is what you see. Because he goes to then, in Genesis chapter 12, he talks to a man named Abraham. And what does he say to Abraham? He calls him out. He says, Abraham, you're going to have descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. I've been on a beach in the last week. It's hard doing missions trips, I just want to tell you. On the Durban beachfront, I was down there one morning. There's a lot of grains of sand on that beach. And that's just one little beach in one little country in our vast planet. And God says, I'm going to make your descendants like that. One evening we were out in the bush and there was no lights grouped to the Gentiles. That's all the other nations. And he says to um, Isaiah, he says that I will make you a light to the nations of the world, to the Gentiles. He says, the mountain of the Lord will become the chief among all the mountains and the nations of the world will stream. So it's not just one group. It's all nations God wants to come and worship him. It's not defined. It's all of us from all over the world. And so we have this vast thing and then we get Jesus himself comes along and he raises up 12 men. Reflections of the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 sons come through Abraham. And he says, actually... I don't want it to be you. I want you to go into all the nations of the world. Preach the gospel to everyone. Tell them everything I've taught you. And so there is a multiplication we see in the New Testament of the word of God leaving Israel and going out amongst the nations of the world. And then we find in Galatians, if you read in Galatians, Paul talks to the church in Galatia and he says, actually, by faith, you are the inheritors of the promises given to Abraham. So those ones way back, when he grabbed Abraham and said, guess what, your sons and daughters are going to be like the stars in the sky. If you're by faith a follower of Jesus, that means you're one of them. That's you. You've been caught up into that promise. And if we follow the line of the New Testament, we find church after church gets planted by Paul and the other apostles. More and more people get added. Even on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up, preached, thousands saved. The church grows and multiplies. And then if you go to the end of the story, I always like reading the end of the story and finding out what happens. You go to Revelation and it says, the Apostle John says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. That's big, right? If you can't number them, there's a lot of them there. All these men and women and children worshipping Jesus. He says there's a great multitude and they're before the throne. And it says they come from where? Every nation and every tribe and people and language. And they're all worshipping Jesus. They're all worshipping Jesus. So I think if you can number the Christians in a given place, there aren't enough. Because ultimately there's going to be a multitude that cannot be numbered. And God has called us to be a church that will grow numerically large. Now what that means I don't know and I'm not prepared to put a number on it. Are we large now? Well, compared to where we've come from, yes. Is there more? Yes. What does that look like? Don't know. Don't know. I'm not, I'm not prepared to be pinned down on that, but I believe God wants to add to us. He wants to see more and more men and women and children become Christians. Just to look big and now look at us. And we're still not there yet. So I believe God has called us to be a large church. The second thing I think God has called us to be is an influential church. If you read the story um, of God's people throughout the Bible, 
you find time and time again how God takes ordinary men and women and uses them to be influential in his kingdom. And these men and women often just reside in kind of ordinary, kind of worldly power structures. They're just doing their jobs and God calls them and all of a sudden they are being influential for his kingdom. Look at Joseph, who raised up to become prime minister in Egypt, the largest, most powerful nation at the time, and therefore saving the world as God speaks to him. There was Daniel who was taken in exile, he was a prisoner and he was suddenly found himself in the nation of Babylon and he got raised up and God used him, great influence to the leaders of those nations. One of them who ended up praising God himself. There was Queen Esther in Persia that God raised up this Jewish girl to become the queen and in so in doing so saved the nation. There was Nehemiah who's the cupbearer uh, in Persia who God used to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem that had been destroyed. Again and again God takes these people, raises them up and they are used for influence in his kingdom. When we go to the New Testament, Jesus speaks in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, and he says to his followers, he says two things. What are you going to be? You're going to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says, that's you. That's what you're going to be like. Well, what does that mean? Well, salt, salt brings out flavor in life. It also prevents decay. That's what they use it. Light shines so people can see and they don't stumble and they don't fall and they can function in life. He says, that's what you're to be. You're to be influential. You put salt on food, you know it. If a light is shining in a place, you know it because you can see if they're gone, bad things happen. He says, that's what you're like to be as a church. You're to be out there being influential. Most of us, all of us, don't spend our time here. Most of our weeks out there with family and friends and work, colleagues, children, neighbors. And we're to be out there following Jesus, being a positive influence on wherever God has placed us. And this was rammed home to us as we were beginning to um, sort of start the church with a section from the, the prophet Jeremiah. Let me just read it to you. This was something that God spoke through the prophet to the people um, of Israel after they'd been taken into captivity. So they had been, Jerusalem had been destroyed through the, the sin and rebellion of the people. They'd been marched out of captivity to a nation um, called Babylon who were a pagan nation who didn't worship the God of Israel. And one interest of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And so as we came to start the church we came with this burden and this heart that we would be a positive influence on the city that we found ourselves in. The city where we live in the town of Sun Coal, it's part of the wider city of Birmingham. And we came here with angels. We are going to be positive. We're going to seek the good of our community. Wherever God um, places us, He says, build houses. When we came here, we bought a house. After a few years, we, we bought a house. He says, have children. Our youngest son was born here. He says, when they grow up, give them in marriage. We're waiting for that one. And then they're going to have children. And they're going to get married and they're going to multiply. It says plant vineyards, which is basically produce something, work at something, eat its produce, get a job, get involved with what's going on in the city. And it says ultimately seek its welfare, seek its good. We want to be a positive influence to this city, this town, wherever we find ourselves in. And this can happen on a kind of a large scale as a church. We do things to bless we're involved in the food bank and we run events in the community. We want to say we love you, we're for you. But actually a more potent way that we can be influential is individually. Because we scatter from here and go to a multiplicity of jobs and situations and homes where God has called us to be a positive influence. Think about where you spend most of your week. The office. The cubicle. Looking after children. Doing school runs. Whether it's in a hospital or in a business park. 
or you're out traveling on the road, where is it you spend most of your time? The people you bump into, the things you do. How can God use you in that place? And I want us as a church, I think God's heart for us is to be influential there. In all the spheres of society, we need people who serve God in the areas of business and finance and law and government and sport and recreation and leisure and entertainment and education and care for the poor and the vulnerable of this place. And that is what God has called us to a city, um, as a people to serve and love this city and everything's in it. We're to be an influential church. And the last one is a reproducing church. And we, want to, we don't want everything that God has said to us and done with us to terminate on us. We don't want it to be all about us and that be it. We want to reproduce ourselves. We want to be more than we are. And we start first with, um, we want to see people in the book of Acts. If you start about beginning of Acts chapter 13 and then read it through to kind of halfway through Acts chapter 14, you find a staggering account of Paul and Barnabas going around planting churches. And they go from Antioch um, and they go to Cyprus, Perga, another place called Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and then retrace their steps going all the way back and they've planted churches in each place. God's people have grown and multiplied. And we believe God has called us to do the same thing. Paul says to one of his sons in the faith, Timothy, he says this, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. There's four generations of passing on, reproducing what God has done in your life and you pass on and you teach and you give to others. And that's what we want to do as a church. We want to see more and more people come to know Jesus for themselves, grow as disciples. We've had it uh, many times already. We've had people become Christians. We've seen them baptized. We've seen many great things. The big one on our horizon is planting a new church. I have nothing to report on that other than we're going to do it. And it will happen at some point and I will stand on this stage and I will say to you, we're going to go and plant a church in A, this town, this village, this place, whether it's this nation or another one, I don't know, but we're going to do it and I'm going to ask some of you to go. Not too many, you know, got to be honest. But some of you, (laughs) I'll say you need to go, you need to hear God and you need to go, go with him uh, from what he's spoken to you and go and start another work. And before we began... Real Life Church, we felt God really speak to us about this um, in uh, really specific ways. And he gave us a very specific um, picture for us to focus on. If you've been here a while, you know it. What's the official plant of Real Life Church? It's the strawberry plant. Because when we were coming to plant the church, before we moved here, we had people come up to us in these kind of random contexts, like we were at a prayer meeting or we're over here at a leaders meeting and something else is happening up there and someone would come to us, myself and Ben, and say, I really feel God uh, 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 has given me this picture for you and it's a picture of a strawberry plant. And you're like, thanks. You know, what, do I, what, do I, what does one do with that? Uh, and then it happened the first time and we nodded and smiled. Then it happened a second time. I thought, well, that's strange. And it happened a third time. We thought, uh-oh. And then it happened a fourth time. And we felt God speak to us about that and when we looked it up, we found out strawberry plants were fascinating plants. That they, they grew and they produced food and they were wonderful. Um, and I love strawberries. Um, and you think that's brilliant. But they multiply. They send out these shoots. They, they're called runners that kind of go along the ground. And they shoot out. And then the runner goes into the ground. And what happens? And people, and we're going to send our best to go and start new churches in new places so more people can come and know Jesus for themselves. Because that's ultimately what it's about. And we're not the answer. 
We're not better than anyone else who's doing this, but we know Jesus is. And we want to give everyone every opportunity to respond to Jesus for themselves. So that is what we're about. So we believe God has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. And we've seen him do so much, and it's been incredible. But we believe there is so much more that we want to press in to him. A couple of little things I want to just come back to um, that God's been focusing on us this year that I just want to talk to uh, you guys about. The first one is our whole thing that God spoke to us about 2018, which is reading our Bible and praying. And I laid this out at the beginning of the year in January. We visited it again in April, and I'm coming now as we kind of close out 2018. It's almost gone, isn't it? 2018 is almost over. How many days to Christmas? 100 and something? Not, not long, not long. We're closing it out. And I felt God speak to us out of this verse. It says it up there. We've got the verse. Let me read it to you. It says, it's a verse from uh, Acts chapter 2. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. And we use this image. What's the image we use? Yes. You do listen. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. I'm just saying. But it's great that you do. And we, visited, we had a sermon series just for the summer. If you missed it, you want to catch up. We did a four-week sermon series particularly looking at this. Um, how do you like yours? Uh, all about the sandwich. And I felt God speak to us and say, actually, in a sandwich, you need two bits of bread and you need something in the middle, the filling that kind of holds it all together. And the two important bits of bread that make a sandwich a sandwich were reading our Bibles and praying. That's what we need to be as a church and we want to need to be as people. And it says in the verse there that these guys devoted themselves to this. It said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is for us the word of God, the Bible. That's what we have. They devoted themselves to it and we are to be people who are devoted to God's word and what it means. We're to look at it. It's our foundation. It's what we stand on. It's everything about who we are, what God has done. It's our foundation for life. If you're standing on anything else, it's going to ultimately crumble and fall. The word of God will not. What God says has happened, what God has done in Christ on the cross, his resurrection, what God says you are now because you are in Christ, that you're forgiven, that you're a saint, that you're righteous, that you're holy, that he is your father, you have complete access to him at any time, anyway. you're full of the spirit. All those things are the foundation that we stand on, which is written down in God's word. And so we're to be people of the word who are to read it. It's also our authority to read our Bibles every day that we would have some regular interaction with God's word on a daily basis. That was our challenge for this year. And so we've got to this point, and I want to say, how are you doing? How's it going? We've looked um, corporately together. We preached through Joshua. You finished it, didn't you? <laughs> Last week I wasn't here. Jeremy, you finished Joshua. It's been a while, but we got through Joshua we take a book of God's Word, we study it, and we go through it all. Next week, we're starting a new one. For those who are listening, it is... Yes, you're doing so well. Although I've noticed from strawberry to sandwich to Philippians, the number of people saying it has gone down. Just saying that, but you, are, you, you, you win and you lose together. So well done for remembering. So we can look at Philippians. So we're studying it, but also the idea was that we would read it individually. When we did the sermon series, we had a bunch of people come up here and told us how they did it. So there's no one right, one size fits all. If you're reading God's word, that's good. But people do it in different ways. I've been reading it in a Bible in a year. Um, I've just started Matthew, which is a wonderful opportunity. If you're sitting here thinking, I've kind of got out of sync. I'm not sure what to do. Or you just come in and I want to start. Go to the beginning of the New Testament. Read two chapters a day and you'll probably nail it by Christmas. The whole lot which is where I am. I've done the Old Testament now. I'm now into Matthew, and so I'm going to roll through that. And so by January the 30th, no, December the 31st, 
It'll be the last two verses, first two chapters of, last two chapters of Revelation. And I'll be done. There's the app you can get on your phone, the Read Scripture app, that helps you. It has those incredibly helpful videos that lay out books of the Bible to give you kind of context as you're reading it. If you haven't come across those, go and look up those. They're on our, our mail out. You can just click, download. It's all free. And it's really good resource for you. The second thing we need to be doing as well in our reading the Bible is prayer. We need to be praying. We need to be talking to our Father in heaven. Jesus said to his followers, when you pray... Notice the implication of those words. Not if, when. You will be talking. It's about relationship. And if you're going to maintain any relationship, you have to talk to the other person. That's just the way it is. And we have to talk to our Father in heaven. We looked at the model of the Lord's Prayer and how that helps us, but actually how you do it. In my journal, I have a kind of a little prayer plan that I do each day. There's particular things to pray for my family. It comes up every day. Then I pray for areas of the church. I pray for those in authority over us because the Bible asks us to do it. So I pray for Teresa who can't dance, just want to say. She, no, I can't either, but she can't, and she does it publicly. So she's in a worse state than I am. But um, I pray for her. <laughs> How are you doing in those areas? And then the final thing just to mention with this, we've got two bits of bread, Bible reading and prayer. What's the bit in the middle, the filling? It's the... Oh, man, that was like three people there. That was just... Yeah, that was, you did say it, though. It's our community, our filling. We've got to do this in the context together. Church is a corporate people. We've got some things we need to do alone, but actually we learn and we grow together. That's why we build corporate prayer meetings. That's why we pray in our life groups together. It's why we talk to one another about this. So the filling of our sandwich, of course, is the, the corporate life of the church that we need to plug into, that get involved in. So that's what we've been focusing on this year. Take a moment just to review how you're doing. Are there th- some things in your life you need to kind of, uh-oh, okay, I've let that slip. Summer's a weird time, isn't it? Just things change and holidays and, and just time's off. Is now an opportunity. I, I'm a teacher by background, so for me this is the beginning of the year, not January. This is, this is it. And so you've got a, a new beginning in September to kind of think, all right, let's get things focused, let's get things down, run down to Christmas. It's only going to get crazier and colder. Um, get something in place for that. All right, last one. The nations. Going to the nations. We believe passionately that God has called us as a people, God's people, to go to every nation. We happen to live and reside here in this one, and we spend most of our time here, which is great, but actually there is the nations of the world around us, and Jesus called his disciples to go to all of them, and we've always had a heart for that, and we've always been praying, God, where would you take us? What would you do? You know, where, would you, you know, where are we going? Kind of thing. And the trip to Live Village, which was our first overseas kind of venture as a church we sort of dipped our toe in the water and say God you seem to be open the door is an expression of this and for those of you just to bring you up to speed um, uh, Ben and I um, and went out to live village just outside Durban in South Africa for the last uh, week and we traveled back and we landed back here um, sort of late afternoon yesterday after 24 hours of traveling so forgive us if we're a bit like Ben's leading a kids work team at the moment um, so we're a little bit I've lost a night's sleep so I'm, I'm kind of running on fumes at the moment but so forgive me if it gets a bit a bit mumbled at one point Taz and Ryan who are from the church here and their two kids were out there anyway because they're South Africans and they're out visiting family but when we arrived they basically looked after us and they're the ones who made the connection with Titch and Joan so if you want to just fling the photo up this is Titch and Joan who we stayed with um, they are the ones who are the founders of the village they are the ones who kind of were on the video 
And Ryan knew Titch from way back when, before the village of even again. So he made the introduction. They came over here. We met them. We had coffee with them. We thought, we want, you think God is doing something with this. So we went out to see what's going on there. We'd already made the decision to start supporting them as a, as a church. We give them £100 a month, the, the, the running cost of the village, the serving um, of the children. And I just want to publicly thank uh, ben, even though he's not here, for putting this trip together. Uh, I'm the leader of the church, but I did nothing, really. In making this trip happen, I did very little other than saying, yes, let's go. Ben did so much in making it happen, and Ryan on the ground was absolutely fantastic, and Taz basically introducing us to people, chauffeuring us around. Driving in South Africa is an interesting thing, just saying, and that's from the passenger seat. Um, so Ryan did all the driving, took us all the places, and they were super helpful. So they were just so good, so glad for them. And a few things just to finish, just to say that I observed and noticed there um, from being around Liv and Titch and Joan. The first one is that they love Jesus. <laughs> they absolutely love Jesus. When we talked to Titch and Joan and we spent time with them, we had some meals with them, what they're interested in is... Is Jesus? Is Jesus being glorified? Is Jesus being known? We spent some time praying with them before we came back, and their heart was for people to come and know Jesus, for the kids on the village, for the workers, for the surrounding communities, for everyone to come and know Jesus. And this is reflected in the life of the village. We went uh, to the church on the Sunday morning, and then the following morning we went to um, what they call village devotionals, which is 8 a.m. on the Monday morning, which basically starts the week. So they all gather to worship and pray, and their, their sound was incredible. Uh, because they, 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 they're primarily in English, but also the, the kind of the tribal language of the area in KwaZulu Natal is Zulu. So they, everything's translated. So we sang in English, we sang in Zulu. Uh, I hadn't got a clue what it was. sounded awesome. And there was one morning when we were running late for the devotionals, and we could hear the sound of uh, the worship coming through because we were a few minutes late um, and it was beautiful kind of pulling us up the hill you knew they were praising Jesus and, and so that's all there um, it was a very different style to what we're used to here but it was the same Jesus they were worshipping and it was a privilege to be part of it um, doing church in two languages is interesting because they translate everything kind of the, the notices and the sermon you're lucky you only get one of my sermons. Imagine if it had to be translated into another language and you got it twice. Okay, that, that, this is what they guys do, but that was brilliant to be a part of. At the end of the church service, they had baptisms, and it was in that multi-use sports center which kind of goes down into a depression. And they just went out the back, and they put this, um, put this big sort of paddling pool up, and they were just baptizing people. about 15 baptisms, um, some from the local community, so the roundabouts who come onto the village for the church and some from within the village themselves. And it's incredible just being there. And some of the mums who kind of live in the houses with the kids, they just started singing as they're doing the baptisms. There was just this spontaneous singing going on of praise to Jesus. And I could tell some of the Zulu words, one of them being Jesus, um, the rest not so sure, but they were just singing and praising. And it was wonderful just to be there and be part of it. And two of their lads who've got a little bit older now, oh, that's one thing, the worship team, when we turn up on the Sunday... All of them, I think bar the drummer, were looked like they were under 18. The entire team. And there was a big, there was like a worship cellar like this. And so it was incredible to be led by the kids, effectively, in their worship. And two of the guys are coming over to Birmingham to be intern uh, at the big church in the middle of town, Gastry, with Tim Hughes, and actually learn a bit more about worship leading. So we were led by them, and that was a wonderful thing. So they, they love Jesus over there. They absolutely loved Jesus, and it was wonderful to go to a different place, a different culture. We traveled, I don't know how many thousand miles to get there, and we got there, and it was like, same Jesus. (laughs) Same Jesus, even though different language, different people, and it was the same Jesus uh, that they worshipped. The second thing we learned from there is that they love children. 
and they love the children on the village. Um, the children on the village who come and live on the village are all from horrendous backgrounds. Uh, I think in our vernacular, we would say um, they were the ch- they're children in care. They all come through the court systems. And so they get these children who have come through hair-raising stuff uh, that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemies. And they come into a community that absolutely adore them. And they love them. And they're put in houses with mums who look after them and feed them and pray them. And they go to schools. Um, and there's the live school there that you saw on the video. And the facilities there are top class. They really are. There's one point we're doing the tour on the Monday. And they took us to the... They, they, they have a word for it. But it's basically the preschool bit or the young ones bit. Um, and the kids all came out and sang and danced for us. And they did this little kind of thing for us. It was incredible. And you could see the, the facilities and how much they're loved and cared for. They've got two on-site social workers who live on the village. And we met them in their offices, actually, to make sure the kids are looked after. Safeguarding, child protection, all those kind of things are in place um, so everything's legitimate and above board. We went and they have a behavioural therapy room to help the kids who've been through trauma and stuff, which is just, it would rank up anything we've got here, just with all these, they took us in, they showed us all the stuff they do uh, with the kids. Um, they've got an on-site clinic for medical needs, basic medical needs, and doctor who works there and lives there, and so they care for their children so well, and just seeing them and seeing the life and the energy, knowing where some of them had come from, was a privilege. We went into one of the homes that have been built and every home has a mother and there's a bunch of kids who live in the home with the mother and we saw their bedrooms and we saw the, the, the homes that have been built and they were beautiful and the mums love them and, and feed them and care for them uh, and look after them and it was just it was a privilege to be a part of that and we spoke to some of the mums and just how much they love the kids and everything that's going on there and the final thing is that they love the community roundabout. They're in this community, the Cottonlands community. It's got its own whole bunch of social issues, social needs there. But actually the village is seeking to serve them. They run a clinic into the community uh, on a weekly basis where the doctors go out and serve and do kind of medical care for the people in the community. They don't have access to their own stuff. They run training uh, for people in the community because high, uh, unemployment's a big issue uh, among some of these rural communities uh, and in South Africa as a whole. And they run the Live Culinary School, which you saw on there, which turns out, I saw the facilities for the culinary school. They're incredible. This room that they, they, they're, they're looking from moving from a one-year program to a three-year program to create executive chefs who can go and work and kind of earn. They run a, a sewing school you saw and a welding school. They run businesses so they can employ people who then in turn serve the community. There is so much that they do there. It was a privilege um, to be a part of it. And as it stands at the moment, we've seen it, we've experienced it, and the question I need to ask with the leaders and kind of process is what's next for us? How do we continue to serve? Because I think some people from this place will go there, whether short-term or long-term, to just serve what God's doing. And I don't know who and I don't know where and when, but I know that that's what God, God's connected us uh, to these people and connected us to Titch and Joan. And they were so gracious to us. We lived in their home. They fed us. They looked after us. They made sure everything was kind of, uh, we could do whatever we wanted to do um, there and answer all our questions. And it was great to see their passion. And God is opening up so many things for the village uh, to start in other places across South Africa. Titch is going to talk to the United Nations in, I want to say November, but it might be October. But just God is opening up things there for them and it's a privilege just to kind of serve and be a part of what's going on so that's just some of the stuff I've learned and I've seen um, there and it was beautiful to go and be a part of a community that looked in principle not too similar to us they looked different but what they were doing same God same mission um, just in a different context and it was great to just go and partner with them and be with them
So do you want to stand? I'm going to finish. Can the band come up and we're going to worship this wonderful Jesus? Now you just want to close your eyes. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that you are a gracious and kind God. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you came to earth, you died in our place for our sin, you rose bosley from death and you ascended into heaven and you rule and reign victorious. Lord Jesus, wherever we go on this great planet, you're the same. You don't change. And wherever we go, we can find people who love and worship you, even though they may look different to us, do it differently to us, sound different to us, speak a different language to us, but they worship the one true God, the same Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, as we round out 2018, Lord, we ask you to continue to grow us as a people, to be a large, influential, reproducing church, not for our sake, not for our name, but for your glory and your fame. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray you make us people of the word and prayer, that it wouldn't be an optional extra to our following of you, but actually it would be core to our faith that how we would grow in love and passion of you is because we read about you, we learn about you, and we pray. Lord Jesus, would you put that in a church? Never let us neglect prayer or your word. Lord Jesus, convict us as individuals. What do I need to do? Convict us as a body. What do we need to do when we gather together to pray? Lord Jesus, and I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to serve the nations. Lord Jesus, even just in a, a small way, as it is at the beginning. Thank you for the opportunity to go, to hear, to listen. Lord Jesus, thank you for relationships that have been connected across continents. Lord Jesus, and being able to serve others. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would increase that and multiply it. That we would have more connections in more nations to see your great kingdom advance throughout the world. It wouldn't just be us in a little bubble here where everything could be nice and neat, actually. But God, I pray you would wreck us for the nations. I pray that you would send men and women from this place to the nations of the world. Lord God, that people would even be called now, be stirred about their hearts, about going to other places, to other nations, planting churches, getting involved with ministries that are out there, getting involved with other things, that it wouldn't just be us here, looking like we're doing in a kind of nice suburb, but actually we would be connected with churches and nations around the world. Lord Jesus. If you know that you think there's a, there'll be a time in the future, we're not going to hold you to this and I'm not going to make you do anything, but if you know that there is a time in your future where you think God's going to send you to go, maybe you want to just open your hands. And it might be down the road to start a church in another town close by. It might be across the world to another nation, another place. You might have a particular heart to go into even just a place right near, local to us, but you've never been before. Just open your hands. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and fill us as a people who go? Who go and serve wider than we are. That we send, give us the privilege of sending of our best men and women to other places. To bless them as they go and say, you go serve God there and you get involved in church there, Lord Jesus. We want to plant churches in the towns around us. We want to send people to the nations way beyond our borders. Lord Jesus, for your glory and your fame. If you know that's you, why don't you just start asking God now. Just say, God, just prepare me. Get me ready. 
You're not going to go in tomorrow. There's going to be a period of time. And it will happen in God's good timing. To say, God, prepare me. Get me ready for the next stage, for what happens. Get me ready to go. <laughs> Train me. Lead me. Shape me. Prepare me for all that you've called me to.